they wouldn't stop bullying him. They picked and prodded away at his pride with knives of laughter. They thought that mess was funny, took pleasure in seeing him fight back the tears. They cheered at his misery. Seeing him get all choked up brought smiles to their faces. They all raced to see his lips quiver, see him get that lump in the back of his throat. They thought everything was meant to be nothing but a joke, but they just would never stop. It was like they couldn't get enough. A little push in front of your peers is a big deal. It's like they're stealing your joy. A meaningless trip, a stumble, a fall. They don't think it's that serious. Stuffing him in trash cans in the middle of the lunchroom for everyone to see, or locking him in his own locker without giving anyone the key. He would want to yell, but there would be no one there to listen or even care. He would stare at the teachers who would turn a blind eye, pretending to be unaware. In bathrooms, he would find himself headfirst in toilets, dangling at the mercy of his enemies. A thousand flashlights couldn't find his dignity. It was forever lost like the cities of gold. Through public humiliation, they murdered his pride, abiding by the rules of the pecking order, slaughtering his self-worth as part of his soul died, beating it black and blue. They were homicidal maniacs, some people don't need a gun to kill you. He would walk the halls afraid, waiting for the next attack. He knew any minute it would arrive. Right on time, as if they were on a schedule. Unable to break the chain of events, he couldn't avoid the inevitable. Not even safe in his own skin, he began to hate the man in the mirror. Why did this cycle of hate have to continue? What did he do to deserve this? Why did they have to pick on him? Maybe they learned these techniques from people who once bullied them. A victim's curse. Unjustly suffering at the hands of those who have suffered. They invaded his territory, pushing his pride to the west bank of his mind, with plans of erasing it from existence, extermination, displacements of their anger. Although he had nothing to do with the pain they endured, it was a return to him a hundredfold. His parents were too busy to notice anything was wrong. Singing the song of preoccupation. As long as he kept up his grades and stayed out of trouble, everything had to be okay. Like a turtle, he retreated into his shell and hiding from the horrors of life. It was hard being a nobody. He remained unreachable. He wanted to take back his name in front of the entire school. Teach the world a lesson of respect. Next time, they'll think twice about who they push around. He became consumed with violence like the Aztecs, with an uncontrollable anger like the Incredible Hulk, growing hotter than the fire in his eyes and colder than the pain in his heart. Sparkling thoughts of sweet revenge tickled his imagination. He wanted them to feel the burning sensation a thousand times, pay for the crimes they committed against him, their sticks and stones broke the bones of his soul. 
their words stuck in his mind like a crown of thorns, unable to shake them off like fleas. They murdered his dreams and hopes while their laughter butchered his happiness. He swore they would never call him a dork again. He had to pay them back, and he almost did. Luckily, it didn't go any further than a bomb threat. All of this could have been avoided if someone would have paid attention. His parents, his teachers, his peers. Maybe they won't be so lucky next time. Or maybe his cries, his pain, and his anger will be something they'll actually hear. Some People Don't Need a Gun to Kill You by Eton Thomas. Welcome, 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 everyone. This is episode five of the Composition Podcast. Again, happy Black History Month to you. It's your host, Jermaine. Thank you for tuning in. Um, That poem, again, it's called Some People Don't Need a Gun to Kill You by Eton Thomas, former NBA player. Um, He played for the Washington Wizards. Who else did he play for? Uh, he had about a 12-year career. He was drafted by the Dallas Mavericks in 2006. First round, 12th pick overall, but he didn't play for the Mavericks. He uh, played for the Washington Wizards, played for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and his uh, final season was with the Atlanta Hawks in 2010-2011. Shout out to Eton Thomas. I actually had the pleasure of meeting him when I was a kid. I want to say like fourth, fifth grade. He came into the school, and he's always been on his social empowerment movement. He's always been an educator and he's always been a social rights advocate for African Americans on top of being an NBA player. So huge shout out to Eton Thomas. He has a poetry book that I just read that poem from. It's called More Than an Athlete, poems by Eton Thomas. Um, I actually have a signed copy that I received from him when I was a kid. So definitely huge shout out to him. I still have it, still read it. It's filled with a lot of jewels. Again, it's called More Than an Athlete, so definitely go get you a copy. And again, happy Black History Month to you. Um, it's been a lot of nonsense already this month. Where do we even begin? Earlier today, let's see, we can start there. Earlier today, February 7th, a Washington Free Beacon article was published, and it spread like wildfire already all over the Internet. The article reported the approval of a $29 million program by the Department of Health and Human Services to purchase safe smoking kits. Now, when it hit the Internet, it was reported that our president approved (laughs) crack pipes to be passed around the country. It's like the fucking 70s all over again, really. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it took the Internet no time to do its job. The, uh, the reports quickly became the government is purchasing crack pipes for citizens to use, which isn't, you know, all the way true. I did a little research myself, and, you know, it can't really be deemed untrue either. There's no exact details about what, you know, the smoking kit's contents actually are. An exact quote from the Department of Health and Human Services is this. Only that the kits would be intended to help users of any illicit substance, including crack, reduce risk while smoking, unquote. I did not know that that was the crisis that uh, our country was facing, you know, safe smoking, but here we are. 
Um, aside from that, it's America. So Super Bowl 56 is coming up. You know, I got to talk about football at least once a week while we have it, man. Super Bowl 56 is coming up in one week in L.A. It'll be the L.A. Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals taking off in Super Bowl 56. Um, to be honest, I don't really think it's going to be close. I think the Rams defense is going to destroy that offensive line, and they just have a lot of weapons. So we'll see how that turns out. But I do want to give a huge shout-out to Joe Burrow. Even though I fucking hate the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I've always been a fan of that guy since you know I first saw him at LSU. And to, to watch that guy's ascension, to see what he did in college, to come into the NFL, be injured his first year, and then come back the second and be fucking – Contending for a Super Bowl, it's ridiculous. It's like the greatest rise I've seen from a young quarterback since Patty Mahomes. So, huge shout out to Joe Burrow, even though I don't think you're going to win. And I don't want you to win, so, hey, whatever. Um, I placed a few bets on the game. You know, sports betting is a huge thing now. So, I decided, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a try. These are my five bets that I made. Rams by between 12 and 17 points. Rams score first, first touchdown of the game. OBJ for first touchdown of the game. Matthew Stafford for Super Bowl MVP. And Aaron Donald for two sacks. I'm not going to say how much I bet and how much I might win. But, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's going to happen. Shout out to Super Bowl 56 and those two teams squaring off. Um... My book for this week is The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Um, I've been butchering this name extremely bad. I've been calling it The Last Days, da-da-da. But um, I still don't know if I'm saying it right. I guess I'll find out soon when the show comes out. But yeah, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, published by Penguin Publishing Group in 2019. It's a really easy read, 289 pages, front to end. Super, super easy read. Um, it's about Walter Mosley, really famous writer. Um, really acclaimed writer that's all i could really say just go look him up if you don't know who he is uh, i chose this book like i said because i saw a preview for the show coming out with samuel jackson i love samuel jackson and i heard a lot about walter mosley he was suggested to me by a lot of different readers that know like i'm starting to get into fiction a lot so his name bounced around a few times, so once I saw he had a show coming out with Samuel Jackson, I said, you know what, now is the perfect time to get into it. Um, with that being said, fucking amazing book. I know I say that a lot, but these are really, really good books that I'm getting into. Uh, where to start with this fucking book? I literally stayed up maybe until 2.30, 3.30, that final night reading this book, I it took me maybe like a week to read it. I said it's an easy read, but man, I'm busy. So it took me a little minute to get through it. But that last night, I couldn't stop reading it. It was like, it was intense. Here we have this old man, uh, Ptolemy, who's 90 years old. He's suffering from dementia. He's suffering from social anxiety. Uh, he, he doesn't really have anyone he can depend on, no one he trusts. Uh, he's, he's stuck in his own memories. And I guess the moral of his story is just to complete, to complete his, his life. 
he has regrets for who he hasn't been for the people who he loves and who he couldn't be for the people he lost. So he struggles with continuing life pretty much, but thanks to the devil, so he says, and thanks to the love and care of people that come into his life that don't try to take him, that don't try to take advantage of him because of his age, he's able to find himself, let's say that. He's able to find himself and complete his life. I know that sounds kind of cryptic, but you have to just read the book. It's interesting. You have to just kind of embrace the book and get your own perception of what you think it means. <clears throat> For me, the story is all about who you choose to be as a person, uh, your social responsibility to those around you, being humane, really. Like, um, are you going to be the type of person that tries to take advantage of the weak or those that allow you to take advantage of them? Or are you just going to be like a, a civilized person, like be helpful, be caring and accept the, the blessings or consequences that come with that? Um, many different nuances in this story also, kind of just like the last one I read last week. But uh, I really, really enjoyed those, this one. Huge shout out again to Walter Mosley for this book and all the stories he's written, really. They're all really exciting, so definitely go check out his work. My excerpt today is going to be pages 50 to 53. Um, I'm reading from my, my iBook today. Excuse me, everyone. But yeah, if you got the book, open it up. You remember my house? Nisi asked. I only remember it being old, he said. I was already old when you got married. There ain't nothing here, young or childish. Even Nisi's smile was sad now. A short girl came up to stand next to Nisi. She was dark-skinned, not as dark as Ptolemy, but almost. You remember Robin, Nisi asked, but maybe not. Maybe she came here to live with me since the last time I seen you. Her mother died and me and Hilly took her in. Robin was no more than 18, and she was beautiful to Ptolemy. Her almond-shaped eyes looked right into his, not making him feel old or like he wasn't there. And there was something else about her. She didn't remind him of anyone he had ever met before. Usually, almost always, people looked to him like someone he'd already met along the way. That was why he found it so hard to remember who someone was. Faces usually made him want to remember something that was lost. He felt sometimes that he had met everyone, tasted every food, seen every sky there was to be seen. I seen it all, old Coy Dog used to say, but that don't mean I seen everything. Ptolemy understood now because Robin was someone, something new to him. Hi, she said with perfect lips that smiled briefly showing off her strong white teeth. You grinning, pity paw, Nisi said. All the men here been grinning after Robin. I've never seen anything like you, girl, Ptolemy said. Robin put out a hand and he took it, staring at her. He was suddenly aware that somewhere a woman was crying. The faraway, muted sobs were pitiful. For some reason, this made Ptolemy remember. 
Where's Reggie? He asked Robin. With her eyes, she indicated someplace behind Ptolemy. He tried to turn his head, but his old joints wouldn't cooperate. Why don't you go with them, Robin? Nisi said. Ptolemy was still holding her hand. She pulled gently, and he got up with a minimum of pain in his knees. Robin was just about his height. He grabbed onto her elbow, and she guided him through the mob of guests in the living room. They went into a narrow hallway that made the house seem larger because it was so long. They passed a room from which came the sad sobbing. He removed his grip from Robin's arm. Gently, she took the hand in hers. Why she's crying, Ptolemy asked. She'd been like that for hours, the girl answered. They came to a brown door that was closed. Robin opened the door and stood aside for Ptolemy to pass through. It was a very small chamber, only big enough for the single bed and an open coffin. The pine box fit Reggie's hefty proportions perfectly. The tall young brown man's waxy hands were crossed over his chest. His face was calm, but the smile that the mortician had placed there was not any expression that Reggie had in life. Ptolemy turned to Robin with his mouth open, screaming silently. He forgot how to breathe or even how to stand. Falling forward into the child's arms, the old man cried, No. Didn't Hilly tell you? Robin asked. Ptolemy heard the question, but didn't remember. Maybe the boy had said something. Maybe he wasn't listening when he did. Maybe if he had listened, Reggie wouldn't be dead. Ptolemy pushed against Robin's shoulders and turned to see the boy. Big oily tears came down his face. He leaned over the low standing coffin, putting his hand against Reggie's chest, tears falling upon his own knuckles and Reggie's. The young man's chest felt like the hard mattress that Koi Dog slept on in his room at the back of Jack's barbershop, where he lived after they kicked him out of his apartment for not paying the rent. Reggie had a long face with a small scar at the corner of his mouth. His eyes were closed. His black suit was new. I don't know why I gotta buy him a new suit to get buried in. Ptolemy's father, Titus Gray, complained when his wife, Aurelia, had demanded they get good clothes to bury Titus's father in. He never even came by once when I was growing up. Not so much as one hello to his son, and now you want me to spend a month's wages on a new suit he only gonna wear once. It's not for him, Aurelia had said. Look here. She touched Titus with one hand, and with the other she gestured at Lil P. But Ptolemy thought that he was maybe five at the time. You see your son? Aurelia asked. Titus looked but did not speak. When you pass, how do you want him to remember you? She asked her husband. He watched you day and night. He practiced talking like you and walking like you. So what you gonna show him to do when he have to lay you and me to rest? That night he was lying on his bed with his eyes open, thinking about his grandfather lying on the undertaker's table. From the darkness came candlelight and the heavy steps of his father. The huge sharecropper sat on the boy's cot and placed his hand upon Ptolemy's chest. I love you, boy he'd say. 
There was a whole conversation after that, but Ptolemy couldn't remember it. There was something about his grandfather's death, about men who loved their sons. So that's gonna be it for my excerpt from this story. I know it's not extremely telling, but um, I think it does involve mostly all of the main players. So definitely wanted to share that. Um, mentions Ptolemy, the girl Robin, who's gonna become Ptolemy's main caretaker. I, I wanna say his positive light. And then you have uh, characters like Nisi, who's just a family member and Hilly, who also comes up in Ptolemy's life, but he's gonna be like a negative light in Ptolemy's life. He tries to take advantage as he can, and I think that's one of the main driving forces for the story, how Walter Mosley humanizes all of the characters, whether it's positive or negative. He gives everybody these human characteristics that just make them who they are. Um, with the character Robin, I think he does a really good job painting her picture um, a really good job at giving the reality of what young women all across America, all across the world, really, that look like Robin or that feel like Robin. Once you read the story, you'll know what I what I mean by that. The reality that they go through. And with the character Ptolemy, for him to be pretty much trapped in his own memories, like in that excerpt, it says it's hard for him to meet a new face because every face reminds him of someone he's already met or memory, so he feels like he's already met everybody. And that type of condition to not be able to enjoy new people or new things because everything reminds you of something uh, that you've already done or that you've already experienced, I guess that would, I feel like that would kind of take the enjoyment out of continuing life. So I thought that was an interesting topic that just happens all throughout the story. And I actually, for me personally, I would hate to have to go through that. It's like being trapped in your own mind no matter what you do. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And to see where he goes from being stuck in that position to where the story ends off, it's amazing, you guys. Definitely go check it out. So again, shout out to Walter Mosley for this book. There's a lot more I could say. You know, definitely just go check out my review on the on the website, Dermain.com, compositionbookclub.com, compositionpodcast.com, either one. Um, and once you check it out, let me know what you think. Definitely want to hear uh, you guys' review of the story, but specifically this one because I thought it was a soap opera of a book. Like, it gets to the shit fast, and the shit transitions super duper fast. Um, me personally... I think Samuel Jackson is going to kill the role when he does do it. Can't wait until the show premieres. It's going to be out March 11th on Apple TV. So for sure, go check that out. Um, let's see what we're going to do for some music this week. Actually, actually, before I get into music this week, I just want to continue with uh, a little info about my spotlight for last week. So... Uh, last episode, I had found music from a guy named Tyler Donovan. Just, you know, scrolling through Apple Music Shuffle actually just came up. And um, I couldn't find the guy's socials to give you more information on him. But I finally did find it. So um, I just want to say again, shout out to Tyler Donovan. While I, while I was reading up on him, um, I guess I came to understand 
why his music is so scarce. Um, he's actually been through a lot. I'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, aside from the things he's been through, he's like really, 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 really heavy on his his uh, his creativity when it comes to his music. So it made me kind of understand why he isn't too pressed to rush it. So again, shout out to Tyler Donovan. Um, he's a rapper from Northfolk, Virginia, Norfolk VA based artist. He's a self-proclaimed gentle giant. Um, he has a lot of different music releases and uh, nice little spotlights, if you will. Uh, let's see, he's performed on NPR. He's performed alongside people like IDK, Cicero, Fly Anakin, all really, really dope lyricists. Um, he had a show still in performance on bars on I-95, which was really, really dope. Go check that out. And he made a TV debut performance as a musical guest on the show Curate, powered by PBS. His latest released, Act One Inhale, is a live concert film in collaboration with Richmond-based production company, No Fun. He actually is planning to release a follow-up to Inhale called Exhale sometime soon so me personally i'm definitely looking forward to that shout out to him again his name is tyler donovan go check out his music and yeah keep supporting him for this week though my music spotlight is going to be somebody who's actually a personal friend of mine i consider him a personal friend uh his music is actually really really fire i could give this guy a lot of accolades dope artist uh dope creator fucking he he has his own fashion line they make really really amazing clothes it's called food fight um this guy's a fucking a rock star he's a gamer he's a fucking comedian absolutely hilarious again like i said he's a, a good friend so i just want to give a huge shout out to my music spotlight this week goes by the name young belvedere now, this uh, DMV-based artist, he just released an album called Amateur Porn. Just dropped that in January. Go check that out for sure. The song I'm going to play from there is going to be called <laughs> Rockstar Bitch. Absolutely dope song. Really, really groovy fucking tune. Let's get into that shit. Hotel lobby, uh, going Billy Idol, 
I'ma take the title. Diamond cuffs all on my wrist like I'm suicidal. Uh, I can't fuck with you if you acting too entitled. Niggas mad at me, tell them go read a Bible. Uh, Tats all on my body like I'm Dave Navarro. Uh, one night stand, she'll be gone tomorrow. Uh, headed to Miami, we gon' pop some Zannies. Uh, flexing so damn hard, I think I need a slammy. Shout out to Sammy uh, Chillin' at the pool in the city where they had the grannies uh, When I'm in LA, they treat me like I'm Manny uh, Shorty, I'm nothing with trouble like I'm John Candy Jimmy Page on the stage, yeah, Jimmy Page Keith Richards, Keith Richards, yeah, I'm getting laid Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee, yeah, I don't behave I'm a rock star, bitch, I know you see the chains I'm a rock star, bitch, yeah, I go insane I'm a rock star, bitch, come and hit this chain. I'm a rock star, bitch, yeah, I go insane. I'm a rock star, bitch, I know you see the chains. Rock star shit, chillin' with my nigga piss. Rock star, livin' feel them like I'm Ozzy's kids. I keep a lot of gas like a Saudi prince. Yeah, all black kicks like I'm Nicky Six. Yeah, all about my green like photosynthesis. Yeah, livin' on the edge like I'm Aerosmith. She's Stevie Nicks. Yeah, she got her own style. She a steezy chick. Uh, I just crushed a handle. Time to make a scandal. Uh, Delvin' known for being lit like a candle. Uh, taking hella drugs like I'm Courtney Love. Uh, took a bunch of shots. Time to hit the club. Uh, going back to Ireland just to hit the pods. Uh, getting drunk in Europe just a different buzz. Rockstar shit. Rockstar bitch. Rockstar shit. I'm a rockstar. This is violent. This has sexual imagery in it. And it just, I think it's my job as an artist to be out there pushing people's buttons and making them question everything. Um, as you can see, the music speaks for itself. Definitely go check that video out for Rockstar Bitch. The video fucking is epic. That guy, much respect to Young Belvedere. The way he's able to put it together with the music, his image, his energy, it's it's really dope. I like where he's going with it. Um, I'm happy for him, I'm proud of him. Keep fucking going, bro. My book next week is going to be Pimp by Iceberg Slim. Happy Black History Month. Um, I really don't know too much about what this book is going to be about. I just know it's written by a pimp about his life. That's all I can really give you. And that is how I'm going to choose to celebrate one of my weeks of Black History Month. I'm going to teach you about a pimp. Um, I think pimp culture <laughs> is a, a huge part of black history. So, yeah, whatever I can learn and, and share about it, I'm definitely going to do that. So... Again, shout out to Young Belvedere. For sure, go cop some food fight clothing. Check out their Instagram. Check out their website, Food Fight Corpse. Their fucking clothing is really, 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 really dope. I'm sure you're going to find something that you love. Check out my review for this book, The Final Days of Ptolemy Gray. 
on my website, Dermain.com, Composition Book Club or Podcast.com. Uh, yeah, keep a book with you. Keep reading. You already know how I feel about that. And yeah, until next week, man, stay safe, stay learning, stay reading. I'm out.